You are listening to the History Respawn Podcast. The HR Podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting our work by going to our Patreon site at www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. That's www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the History Respawn Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode features an interview I did this week with Maxime Durant, the resident historian of the Assassin's Creed series. I talked with Max about how he came to work with Ubisoft and how he and his team conduct research. We also talked in detail about Assassin's Creed Origins, the new title in the AC series that is set to be released on October 27th. Max talked about the challenges involved with setting a game in ancient Egypt and answered my questions regarding the newly announced Discovery Tour mode, which promises a history-focused mode that strips the game of combat and skill-based navigation. With that, here's the interview. So it's very nice to uh, well sort of meet you uh, at least over the phone. I've been a great fan of your work uh, over the last few years, and uh, it's really a pleasure uh, to talk to you finally. <laughs> Thanks. It's a, it, I guess it's a pleasure. That's uh, that's uh, the same for me. Um, yeah, I was I was looking for that moment. Yeah. So Max, you've been working as a resident historian with the Assassin's Creed franchise uh, for many years now. And I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners how you came to work on the series. I was very lucky. That's, that's the first thing to say. Uh, uh, was I studied history at the University of Montreal. So when I graduated, uh, actually, it just happened that at the same time, Ubisoft was looking to hire a full-time historian. Uh, so they uh, they actually uh, worked with historians before. So they they worked with consultants mostly in, uh, part-time. Uh, and then they were looking for Assassin's Creed 3 back in 2010 mm-hmm. to get someone full-time to help them understand the American Revolution because they, they've se- they seen that it was, it was something that was very complex, both in terms of events, of, uh, of uh, characters, but also in terms of recreating the environment of the past. Uh, and so I, I had experience in the museum before as a, as a guide for a couple of years. And uh, I think it was the... The interest of being able to do public history that really, uh, really triggered both the interest for me to work in video games and for Ubisoft to to find someone like me that that would be able to to make history very, uh, very visual, very uh, tangible for the team working in Assassin's Creed. Right, and I suppose that kind of broad public history is what keeps you coming back to the series, besides the money, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's been over seven years now that I've been working at Ubisoft uh, on, on very different games. It's uh, every time it's a new challenge because all of these different historical periods that we're doing have uh, different tools, have different uh, historiographies. I mean, every time it's it's a very good new challenge for me to get to learn about all of these different aspects. I mean, from going to the uh, the American Revolution, then to uh, Ottoman Constantinople, then. Uh, Back into the 18th century with uh, with uh, the golden age of piracy, then mm-hmm. the French Revolution, then uh, 
working with all these different time periods that we we have also uh, on the main games, but also on the on the different cross media that we have, uh, such as uh, the story of John of Arc in the uh, novel Heresy. So it's it's these back and forth between the historical periods is is just tremendous. It's fun for me every time I learn something new. And then yeah, the <laughs> ancient Egypt, something that we wanted to do for a long time, and uh, that I was waiting to uh, to make also for a very long time. So. Uh, four years later, here we are. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to talk a little bit more specifically about ancient Egypt and, you know, kind of trying to understand what drew the team, what drew you in particular uh, to want to use that as the basis for AC Origins. And, you know, as you said, uh, you know, this is kind of a move, the move to Egypt was something that was hinted at, I think, as early as Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. Um, for myself, I always assumed that the franchise would move forward in history, so I'm I'm curious as to why ancient Egypt. So there are many many reasons, and uh, one of these are that we wanted, like deeply within the team, to do ancient ancient history, and uh, more overall, the first thing that we wanted to do was was ancient Egypt, and so there there are some technological choices that helped us uh, go into that way, uh, such as the fact that if you look at AC1 uh, back in 2007, uh, we had, I mean, the, the, the cities were, were were small sandboxes, and then you had to load between cities, and you could just travel one narrow road with your horse. But the freedom and the promise of that game was that you could climb on buildings, which were mostly blocks. Uh, and that was that was 10 years ago but with time we evolved our technology we were able to go into more open spaces uh navigate within trees in the wood uh in assassin's creed 3 uh invent the naval uh the naval technology also to move with boats uh the technology to swim on water then underwater so all of these iterations that we've done on the technological side helped us actually to uh, to have now the capacity to, to choose time periods that are or countries that are very vast that have mm. monumental uh, landmarks and now we have the technology to actually portray them right uh, so if we did ancient egypt uh, 10 years ago it, we wouldn't have been able to do everything that we we have right now so that you can go from the top of the pyramid down, down slide on, on one of them uh, walk into the desert with a sandstorm then take your horse or your camel to go to the, the nile shores and then you can use a boat a felucca and then you can de- you can dive underwater and so all of this without loading, this is all, all of these elements are things that, that were brought because of technological changes. So that's, that's one aspect. On the other aspect, uh, obviously, we wanted to treat Cleopatra's history because it is so pivotal in mankind history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very important because it is the end of the pharaohdom of the, uh, of the kingdom of Egypt, mostly because after that, it is the Roman Empire that takes over. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the Roman Republic. So there are so many historical characters at the same time that are meeting all together in Egypt. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just right to actually do that setting. Mm. Uh, obviously, a lot of fans were asking for us to make ancient Egypt. I think it was it was all up in the top five for the last uh, couple of years. <laughs> so I think that the timing was just was just right for us. Um, so could you give us a sense of how you and your team went about researching this time period uh, for AC Origins? How much did this research, for instance, involve consulting historians or universities? Uh, ancient Egypt was a big challenge, mostly because. Uh, geologically, the country is still there. I mean, the deserts, the mountains, the Nile, everything is in, is there. But the the development, the human development, has changed the country a lot. 
so all of these villages of the past are gone. Uh, these main cities of the past, Alexandria, Memphis, uh, Crocodilopolis, Cyrene, are all uh, either gone uh, and there's nothing left but sand, or there are some ruins that are left. So one of the big challenges was to to recreate that country that is that is gone, that has disappeared uh, in the form that we wanted to create. So we, four years ago, when this project started, uh, from the start, the the artistic team uh, started working on the environment. So creating a map of of the whole country that would integrate the natural landscape. And then in, at the, in the meantime, uh, we were doing research in books uh, and encyclopedias, uh, looking into uh, specialized books of, of Egypt, uh, looking into reconstitutions by Jean-Claude Galvin, mm-hmm. uh, who later on we hired as a consultant because he makes water paintings. He's an archaeologist. He's an Egyptologist himself. And then way before Photoshop was invented, he started water painting to to portray archaeology uh, to make it very accessible. Mm. So it's the same kind of work that we do here with uh, with art concept. So we always try to imagine what ancient Egypt is going to look like from from our readings, from our, all of these uh, archives, from these books that we that we gather from the uh, uh, academic uh, uh, documents that, that I'll gather also on the on the network on our, in our internal network. We gather. A huge, a huge load of, of pictures, of, of uh, documentaries, also video doc- documentaries. And so we come up with the idea after doing this initial research of which are going to be the major landmarks that we're going to portray in the game, uh, which are going to be the major historical characters and events that we're going to have in the game. So that's how we defined that we were going to keep uh, the cities of Alexandria, Memphis, Cyrene, and Crocodilopolis. And right. then we would add some of the different villages. This is when also we decided that we would keep, of all the different pyramids that exist in Egypt, uh, seven out of them, well, seven big pyramids, and then their, uh, their necropolis also. So obviously the, the Plateau of Giza, the Sphinx, but also uh, different pyramids like the one of Amenemhat III mm-hmm. in Hawara, that's in the Fayum, um, because it's, it's mostly gone today, it's only ruins, but it was very important to ancient people. Uh, uh, all of the different uh, uh, chroniclers of the past described that pyramid uh, which is today uh, just a, a, a set of, of brick. Um, so in getting the knowledge uh, from our research, we get to define some of the major elements of the game. And then the more we go forward in time, the more we, de- we go into more details. We go with the colors of the houses, the textures. Uh, that's when we, we work with uh, uh, historians to ask them either to come to Ubisoft and do uh, presentations to the team that we film mm-hmm. and then and that are accessible for us for later uh, references, or we ask for them uh, in all the different steps of the production to come within Ubisoft and then look at the game and then make us give us comments. So the way that we work is not that we try to, to portray everything 100%. Even if we had all the information, uh, the historic information, we would not do that because we try to adapt it to the medium of video game. Right. Uh, we have to, to play with the scales, with the distances. For instance, if you look at the, uh, the pyramid right now, it's, it's a bit higher on the ground than it should be because it's, it's easier for players when they're anywhere in the world to understand where they're situated at because they can say... In the in the far distance, oh, I can see the pyramid of Khufu over there. So mm-hmm. I know where where I am at. The same with uh, the lighthouse in Alexandria. Uh, although this one is is pretty much on scale and is at the right height. So we play we play a lot with these elements uh, so as to, as to make the world credible 
even though for an Egyptologist or for other different specialists that are very aware of these different elements, they will see they will see mistakes. They will see mistakes that are made on purpose most of the time, or they can see sometimes mistakes that we just didn't know uh, because science doesn't know, because science doesn't uh, doesn't want to take a part into something that they're not sure 100% sure. about. Uh, so we, ha- we have to interpret. So I always say that uh, making this game is like uh, creating a puzzle, but a full cover art, and we only have the few pieces that are uh, that are given by archaeology and by history, but we have to make a full picture. So we do have to to make up for what's uh, what's uh, what's not there, basically. Right. Well, so much of that, um, you know, sounds familiar to the work that actual historians do. You know, I mean, trying to create interpretations uh, rather than uh, focusing on 100% accuracy. Uh, it reminds me of the uh, the phrase from the French historian Fernand Braudel is, you know, the historian's work is to try to can- capture a sensibility of the age, not the complete story, but uh, a sense of what it was like. And uh, it sounds like the work at Ubisoft uh, kind of mirrors that process, even though it also includes uh, worrying about gameplay mechanics as well as history. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried to come up with a lot of inspiration uh, in any parts of, of our game. Uh, some some of the details that we will do, uh, the minor details will, will forever remain hid for most of the players. Uh, I mean, textures that are or mosaics within sites, uh, people will just notice that they make sense out of their bigger picture. But we did do a lot of research, and then in some other ways, we take more liberty, and then and then people will notice that there are mistakes over there. Yeah. Um, so I want to transition to talking more about Discovery Tour mode, uh, and this is a mode that you've just announced, which will allow players to engage with the historical elements of AC Origins uh, without having to deal with the traditional Assassin's Creed gameplay of climbing and stabbing. Uh, So what was the rationale behind the creation of this mode, uh, especially since it seems to be geared towards education rather than action? So one thing we notice is that uh, with Assassin's Creed, people like history and people like to play with history. Um, Ever since the first Assassin's Creed, uh, there were testimonies of, of teachers, professors that, that were saying like, I love this game. It's, it's great. Can you, could you make a version for us to use in classrooms? Mm-hmm. So that, that stuck in our mind for, for a long time. But personally, ever since I joined Ubisoft, I've always wanted to, to do it, uh, this mode, to invent this mode. Uh, Jean Guedon, who's the creative director on Assassin's Creed Origins, even had tried to do a first prototype back in 2009. Uh, but it wasn't, we weren't ready for that just yet. Um, so it was it was a very long time uh, long term idea that we wanted to to give access to this this world uh, to give it a second life and so four years ago when the assassin's creed origins started uh, we knew that we had to we had to um, make it at the same time as the game so we had to create a technology behind that would that would adapt to create these tours so it's not as simple as as what it seems mm-hmm. uh, basically what are the discovery tours is that you have the same environment as the main game but we strip away the conflicts so you can go anywhere you you like you can travel you can navigate uh, and just to do that it takes actually a lot of efforts from from the programmers from the designers because they have to design the game to be able to support uh, the the two possibilities right and so with with time we uh we because it's the same team that works basically on the game and on a discovery tour we try to to model the game so that it would it would fit with the different teams 
that we would have in the discovery tours. So we designed tours around different landmarks, around the life of Egyptians, around the life of Greeks in Egypt also. So we, we tried to, to create tours or content that would, that would fit with what we have in the game. And so that's how we came up with a, with a, a huge list of things that we wanted to, to talk about in the discovery tour. And then we send those lists to historians and Egyptologists so that they could write the scientific part of it. And then once that was done, then our scriptwriter here just uh, shortens it and mm-hmm. makes it very uh, appealing and accessible. And then we adapt, we put them into the game. So they're, they're like uh, quests that we have in the world. And so anywhere you go, you can activate a discovery, uh, a tour. So the way it works is that you start like a mission with, the, with your avatar, with your player. And then you go from one point to another in the world. So let's say you're in Alexandria, you can go, uh, you can start a tour in front of the Great Library of Alexandria, that, uh, <laughs> that very iconic landmark mm-hmm. of antiquity. And then you can walk inside the, inside the library, go from one station to another. So uh, on the outside, you can have a first station that will talk about the, uh, the importance of the library, who founded it. Then a second station can talk about, uh, for instance, the, uh, the architecture of the building, how we created it in the, in the game, because that building is gone. So that's where we can learn that uh, we used uh, uh, references from, from Pompeii, from the walls in Pompeii, from the, the painted walls. Uh, and we also used references from the library of Ephesus mm. in, uh, in Turkey, who was, who was built after the image of the library of Alexandria. So through the meaning of the discovery tour, we talk about history. We make people uh, interested and, and learn about ancient uh, history in, uh, in Egypt. But we also talk about uh, the interpretations that we did in the game. So we talk a lot also about game development in the same time. So that really gives us, uh, gave us the, the ability to... to to be more open about the way that we create these environments, both to, to inform people, but also to make people understand uh, the, the limits of our technology, the limits of, that we have also. So it explains the choices that we make when we create these, uh, these tours, when we create this, this world also. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds amazing. I mean, from the outside looking in, this mode seems to be a, a natural extension of you know, the Animus database from previous games, which could include a great deal of historical detail. But this goes much farther, and like you said, uh, you know, it sounds like a second version of the game uh, that you're shipping. I mean, that must have been a lot of work, and uh, it's incredible to me that uh, this is going to come out as a free DLC. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite amazing. Uh, we're very happy that, as you mentioned, it's it's a natural extension to the Animus database. This time with uh, audio guided version. So you have a narrator. Uh, you, we actually have two narrator, one woman, one man, uh, that will that will talk and explain all of these different elements. There's a much better realization aspect than what we had for the Animus database. That's for sure. We have cameras, uh, plans, and then instead of of just uh, Let's let's take an example from AC2. Like when we started the Animus database, you had courtesans that you could that could help you in your quest mm-hmm. when you paid for them. Well, you had one one encyclopedia entry that would talk about them. Uh, here, uh, we we would try to integrate them if if they were present into one tour that talks about the life in in the, that time uh, and so why they were important. Uh, and so you could see the animation. Also, you could we could. We could have a camera that really uh, zoom on them and then uh, let you appreciate also uh, what they are and what what the action that they're doing, and so we can explain also how we how we made them in the game. So 
yeah, it's, uh, it's a very fun experience for us to be able to go much deeper into the, the sharing of information. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd mentioned that you'd relied on uh, historians to provide some of the details for Discovery Tour Mode. And I'm wondering, I mean, are there any resources within the Discovery Mode to point towards museums or the work of academic historians or secondary readings that players could choose to peruse if they were really interested in a particular topic? So we uh, we haven't built a, a bibliography uh, within the discovery tours. However, the the content, the way that they're made, is that we talk about uh, in this case Egyptology. We uh, we talk about the sources. We talk about ancient chroniclers like Herodotus, Pliny. Uh, uh, so so uh, so many of them. Uh, so we try to to keep it light mm-hmm. and accessible. But yes, I, I believe that it, this is a first step. Uh, this is a first step for people that if they want to learn more, uh, then they can go. And, and take what they what they have from the game. Uh, they can they can uh, reread what they've heard also, so they can take that and then go into uh, an encyclopedia and then search for more information. Mm. That's yes, that's that's something that's accessible. Then on the second hand, uh, all of these stations can be enhanced with two uh, D image. So you have the the physical world, the three D world. And then you go from one station to an, to another, and within each station you can have the support of an, an additional image. So let's say uh, you go into uh, the same example about the Library of Alexandria. You're in front of it, and we say that we were inspired by the Library of Ephesus. Well, then we can add a picture of the Library of Ephesus. Mm. Uh, if we talk about uh, Greek theater in ancient uh, in ancient Egypt, uh, in the station about in within the amphitheater, well, we can add. Uh, maybe images about uh, um, uh, uh, oh, uh, like a, a Greek mask, Greek, co- Greek comedy mask, or things like that. So things that can be in the environment, or things that we we take from museums, and then we obviously credit museums uh, that we are working with to uh, to provide these images. Mm. So uh, I've got a final question here: um, Are there any plans <laughs> to work with academics and to students uh, to make Discovery Tour mode? more accessible to classrooms. Uh, and I ask this as somebody who often uses video games to teach history classes. And one of the problems I run into is the fact that, uh, you know, so many of the great historical games are AAA games, which come along with really high barriers of entry for students, um, in particular with regard to the, the price of technology, you know, and buying a computer or a console, uh, but then also, you know, a barrier in terms of learning the language of gameplay, uh, you know, which can take hours and hours to master the movement uh, in something like Assassin's Creed. And, you know, I know, you know, comparing other historical games to this, you know, it's not uncommon for other historical titles like Civilization or uh, Tracy Fullerton's Walden to provide educators with gratis copies of their games. Are, Are there any plans for that? With Discovery Tour, are there any any plans to work with with teachers to make this more accessible to history classrooms? So the way that we work is that uh, from the start over four years ago, um, we both I and and other uh, colleagues we've we've been to many educational uh, uh, conferences uh, and video game uh, using video games for for uh, teaching, for instance. So uh, we were even invited by uh, at the White House um, by the uh, Department of Education mm-hmm. to talk about these aspects. So we tried to come up with a list of uh, things that were interesting uh, for for teachers, for professors, for uh, 
for uh, principals also in schools. Uh, we tried to, to understand what what were the, their needs and how we could adapt that to our to the to the discovery tour. So we did a, a big list of things that we could do and things that we couldn't do, or at least not on this first iteration. Uh, but some of the things that we integrated are uh, the duration of the tours. So we came up with the idea that the tours should not last longer than 20 minutes, for instance, so that mm-hmm. they, could u- they could be used in a lab or in a classroom. So, and then teachers have time to assess after or have a bit of discussion about the subjects. So we also compared the, uh, the goals of history uh, in the U.S., like uh, we work with uh, with a school editor that provided us the the subject, the history subjects. Mm-hmm. So we tried to come to make sure that most of what we could integrate in the, within the discovery tour were integrated as much as possible. And then uh, within the game itself, accessibility is really a, a, a key feature for us. So uh, again, we removed uh, the conflict. We made sure that it was childproof. Um, uh, in terms of content, so we have we uh, we use the, the same age rating process that we do for for games usually. So we try to achieve a 12 plus in this case. I see. And then, and then in terms of, of manipulation of navigation within the game, uh, we made sure that the tours uh, uh, are very easy to navigate. So you can we don't you don't have to climb. You're never forced to climb. Or otherwise, if you have to climb in few occasions, well, we prompt. The information for the players. Let's say we'll ask them to press A or uh, or whatever control or uh, a square to climb over over something to climb over a landmark. So that's easy. There's ah, a spline okay. that we added. There's a spline that we added on the ground also that you normally don't have in the main game. So that's very visual. You see where you have to go between stations. That's on one side. Then we're working on an autoplay feature so that. You can you, for someone that's really not comfortable that really but that wants to play the experience, they can just autoplay any any guided tour and they just have to to lay back and that's it and then they can watch the whole thing unfold in front of in front of them wonderful then that's within the game on the other side you mentioned uh, accessibility within classroom uh, uh, means of technology obviously we worked on this on this first iteration we were super lucky that the company was was really excited also to uh, to to help us create this so it's as you mentioned, it's a free DLC. It's something that we give away for free for people that own the game. Uh, obviously, we're trying to work on a standalone version that could be accessible for uh, for PC owners. Uh, this this has yet to be confirmed, uh, but this is where we could we could uh, have a different age rating so that you don't have the conflict between the main game and the, and a standalone version. But this this has to be confirmed on the on the long term. But it's something that we have in plan. I see. Well, all of those uh, things that you mentioned sound wonderful. I was sitting here thinking about, uh, you know, applying the grappling hook from Assassin's Creed Syndicate uh, to try to get up buildings really quick. But it sounds like you've you've managed that problem uh, in a much more elegant way uh, than I was thinking. <laughs> it would have been fun, but a bit awkward in ancient Egypt. Yes, yes, absolutely. As long as we're aiming towards uh, authenticity and not necessarily accuracy, it would be very strange to have a a mid-Victorian <laughs> grappling hook uh, in in ancient Egypt. Um, all right. Be- because it was because it was very accurate in, in London. Oh yes, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, okay, Max, that that does it for my questions. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. That was a pleasure. 